Dongshan's Gatha of the Essentials. Second verse, the path of the darkling lock. Interacting darkness amid light, one comes to feel that successful endeavour is difficult. One's strength exhausted, progress and retreat are forgotten. The metal locks pull each other like the meshes of a net. Please sit comfortably. So, again, I want to take up some themes of Don Shan's writing. And this time, this idea of the darkling path. Um, it's a great word, darkling. Um, and Dongshan used it a few times. Um, and he's entitled his second verse from the Gatha of the Essentials, which was a poem that he wrote near the end of his career, uh, near the end of his life. Um, the path of the dark, darkling lock. So background on darkling. William Powell, who translated the record of Dongshan, comments on the use of darkling. Um, he says, darkling is an important term in the Lao Tzu where it is used to characterize the named and the nameless, being and non-being, i.e. something prior to dualities. In Buddhist texts, it's frequently used to characterize the path. So with the help of that verse, I want to talk about the spirit of darkening and its place in the wider spirit of enlightening. So enlightenment as a term, I think, has got a fascinating history. Um, I would say its broad use over the last 50 years or so is probably due to a confluence of um, new publishing technologies, um, emergent markets, uh, a leisure class, and a cultural appetite for mysticism that appeared in the social upheavals of 1970. Um, enlightenment, like so many other things, became like a personal property. Um, conjuring up images of all said and done, all complete, or achievement unlocked. Zen stories about breakthroughs and insights and openings played against and into all of that. There's a lot of enlightenment in Zen. You might have noticed. There are many stories where the monk was enlightened, had realisation, had satori. You get the picture. The monk and the nun and the layperson all had really good times. All of that's completely necessary and it's wonderful. But it can seem like there's a picture painted of an endless and utter clarity. A bit like, and so on from that day forward, the monk, the universe, both lived together without trouble or strife, happily ever after. But in the depth of Sishin and in the real events of our lives, we're given the time, I think, and the trust to let all of that gold and glitter 
peel away to something much more broad and much more inclusive, we get a sense that we're intimately involved and there's nothing better than that. I've got a magic trick that I use with my sons. Well, I used to use it with them. I, they, it doesn't work on them anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it seemed to both frustrate them and, and, and also soothe them. So combination of logic and matter-of-factness. So say if they were grumbling about something like going to PE or doing a maths test or some future event, uh, clean your room, um, I'd, I'd listen, I'd commiserate. Yeah, that's hard, that's boring, that's frustrating. And then I would say, well, but you'll be glad to know that when that time comes around, you're going to be there. And there's going to be so many things there that you wouldn't have a clue. And then they would kind of go off, sort of soothed, sort of quizzical, but kind of knowing it was over. <laughs> um, so with the four words interacting, darkness amid light, Dongshan conjures up a wonderful image that I find so helpful and it helps to turn towards the real person sitting on the mat with all of our complex interactions and daily affairs. I, I love interaction because it's so lively. Because we're always in relation. And even more than that, we ourselves are the play of the world, even when we play on top of it. Even a lonely walk up a bush track, everything comes along with that walk. Our feet naturally seek contours of the earth, our eyes moving naturally according to whatever's going on. Interaction is endless and it's immediately mysterious and lovely because it's so intimate. It seems so much like the universe is deeply curious about itself. Don't you love the way a baby would just seek out things with its searching, searching little fingers? I'm amazed by the movements of ears and tails and antenna and our own eyes. I remember um, a talk by Joko Beck once where she stopped and she kind of looked at her hand and she went, look at that hand. I didn't mean to move that. And th the thing I loved about it wasn't so much the point she was making, it was just that she was so surprised at the fact of her own hand. Um, I was looking at the back half of Ross's cat the other day. <laughs> and it was great to see that curiosity just in the tail there, wandering around, prehensile, doing the work of exploring the mystery while Possum got on with the business of being a cat. And cephalopods, 
don't get me started. Cephalopods. <laughs> but you get my point. I'm trying to paint this picture of the light and the dark interacting and how it's just completely inescapable. Dongshan's words evoke the interplay of opposites, light and dark, just as the mystery itself, suggested by the term darkling. And there's a couple of other uses of the term darkling in his record. But there's this wonderful brief little short uh, koan in Dongshan's record. A monk asked, what does it mean to say, amidst the darkling, darken again? It's like a dead person's tongue, replied the master. So you enter the gate of the mystery, then realise that even the most exquisite means of conveying the experience, however it comes, each of those are in turn the mystery. We meet the darkness without recognition because we're none other than the darkness. In our interaction, there's a play of not so much us looking out at the world, but the world looking into itself. Generosity, I think, is heartbreaking and we don't know where it comes from. Meister Eckhart says, and probably everybody's familiar with this, the eye through which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. But also there's this follow-up that I found recently, which I think is lovely, um, we're all meant to be mothers of God, for God is always needing to be born. It's good to know that there's something before God. So I love the image of Darkling for its generosity, and I love it because it allows for not just the bright and the clear to come through, but also all of the completely disowned as well all the broken, unsure, unstable, disaffected, pained, lost, lonely, hesitant, the whole lot. And I think that the play of interaction between the light and the dark is the wellspring of compassion. And it lays down so much of what is the path of the bodhisattva, I think a huge amount of it happens just outside of our vision, just outside of our grasp and maybe even outside of our intention. Last Yesterday, just before chanting, th th there was such a beautiful scene which was a lot like the light and the dark interacting. Um, Lisa and Alastair had just served tea in the dojo and they were waiting outside. They weren't just waiting though. They, each of them in turn picked up and unwrapped their teacups, 
faced one another, teapots in hand, big teapots in hand, and they served one another. One tea for Alistair served by Lisa, one tea for Lisa served by Alistair. They stood opposite each other and they drank unceremoniously, all without fuss, all under the shade of the veranda. And then the bell sounded and then they went in. Light is where it's all clear and you can see through to forever. There's no up or no down. The wind is your skin, the bird song your own clear, dewy, sun-drenched voice. Darkening is a bit like sweeping up after a party. In a Zen wave, Robert Aitken talks about a child and I can't remember whether it's him or just a child but this is a child who gets up after the adults party um, and picks over the top of all of the adults who are kind of sleeping, trashed from the party the night before. The child makes themselves breakfast and then goes out the back gate. Dogen says in the Shobogenzo, when the Dharma does not fill your whole body and mind, you may assume it is already sufficient. When Dharma fills your body and mind, you understand that something is missing. I find that last line so intriguing. When Dharma fills your body and mind, you understand that something is missing. So what about practice? Dong Chan's next couple of lines paint a picture of something we've all felt. One comes to feel that successful endeavour is difficult. One's strength exhausted, progress and retreat are forgotten. We thought it was going to be easy, go in, get enlightened, come out again after lunch. <laughs> but there's something there, because it's dark, that stymies that intention. All of the will in the world won't get us there. It's because of the interaction. We can't crash the gateless barrier. Which way would we charge? But I think there's something celebratory about those two lines as well, something sure-footed and mature. It's as if the idea has dawned that whatever techniques we have used in the past to get us over this line or get us over that line or get us over this situation or that one, it's not going to be like that. The first line sounds so coy and understated, I, I, it sounds to me a bit like a Downton Abbey line um, where, where the jack is broken, the rain is coming down, um, the tyre is flat. One comes to feel that successful endeavour is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the next line, I think, is auspicious. It's on the money. One strength exhausted, progress and retreat are forgotten. This feels like the territory of women's comment in case one of the women Guan. Don't consider it to be nothingness. Don't think in terms of has or has not. It's like swallowing a red-hot iron ball. You try to vomit it out, but you can't. The exhausted strength thing, I think, is good. The breath goes in, the breath goes out. You've ceased trying to corral your thoughts. I think of this place as like a vast relaxation where your muscles finally let go and feel the support of the whole earth. Where, like a tide coming in, you finally gush with all of that dark that you were from the beginning. It's measured, it's tempered, it's meticulous, it's not quite defeated, it's sure of itself and it's deeply committed. Just one breath, just one move, just open awareness, progress and retreat are forgotten. The final line, the metal locks pull at each other like meshes of a net. Dongshan's image of the locks comes from the first verse of this um, rhythm called Rhythm and Song Performed Together. It goes like this. One metal pin holds a pair of locks. The paths for the pin found its function mysteriously simultaneous. The precious seal corresponding to the subtleness of the wind. Like the visibility like the visibility of overlapping brocade stitches. The precious seal corresponds to the subtleness of the wind. The metal locks pulling against each other can't but conjure up the image of uh, Indra's net. Um, which was a net which was built by a craftsperson for the Vedic Deva Indra in his abode on Mount Meru. And I'll just tell a little bit of the story. Far away in the heavenly abode of the great god Indra, there is a wonderful net which has been hung by some cunning artist in such a manner that it stretches out infinitely in all directions. In accordance with the extravagant tastes of deities, the artist has hung a single glittering jewel in each eye of the net. And since the net itself is infinite in dimension, the jewels are infinite in number. There hang the jewels glittering like stars, a wonderful sight to behold.
If we now select one of these jewels for inspection and look closely at it, we'll discover that in its polished surface there are reflected all the other jewels in the net, infinite in number. Not only that, but each of the jewels reflected in this one jewel is also reflecting all the other jewels. I love Dong Shan's image because it's subtly different. It presents the situation where even on close inspection, the single jewel collapses. Just undeniably so. When one moves, all move. When all move, one moves. The pulling and pushing of the net is like the surface and the depths of water, seemingly patterned and familiar, but without a governing law or rule, and immediately responsive to whatever enters it. Our hearts reach out for others in their distress. Our laughter flows for them in their joy. We look back at a kangaroo looking at us. All are blessed. All are blessed. 